You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. The, the Bible here clearly says, we'll, we'll start out in John chapter 20, verse, verse 15. And, and I love this passage because Jesus speaks to the, to the woman and he says, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Now, of course, Jesus knows who she's looking for in this situation. But, but we want to we bring this out a bit, and, and we want to talk today about some, some parallels to our lives. And I think that when this woman goes to that tomb, and she is crying, when she is weeping, when there is, there is something that she's looking for, someone in particular that she is looking for, I don't believe that she expected what she got. I, I think she went expecting that she was going to find a dead body. Let's, let's look at Matthew, with John chapter 20, verse 15. Let, let's also look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 6 and 7. We want to look at those together. Brian, can you put those on the screen for me, please? The angel speaks to, to, to the, the, the women here. Now, let me, let me just set this up here for you for just a moment. They get up early in the morning. There's been such intensity. There's been such uh, amazing things that have happened over the last uh, 24 to 72 hours. And these women get up. And, and, and on this, this morning, it says that after the Sabbath at, at dawn, on the, on the first day of the week, these women come. It says there's a violent earthquake. Now, we've just experienced an earthquake in Japan that was very, very violent. No doubt, I would, I would imagine that these women immediately thought, Oh, the tomb. Oh, what in the world will we find there? Will, will his body still be okay? They took such great care to wrap him up. They, they, they anointed him. They, they put perfume on him. They got him ready to be in this tomb and, and, and to, to, to be there. Uh, and and, and they, they wanted to, to take special effort here. And so all of a sudden, this earthquake happens and they're thinking, Oh my goodness, what, what about his body? What condition will it be in? And so they rush the Bible says, out to the tomb. And, and I don't think that they were going out there to find a risen Savior. I don't think it was in their heart to find a living Jesus. I think it was really in their heart to put the fragments of this body back together after this violent earthquake and to take care of Him once again and, and, and to make sure that, that His body is, is, is in some sense sacred still to them and, and, and holy to them. And so they go on, on a mission. But when they get there, they find something they totally did not anticipate. This morning becomes different from any other. This is a morning like no other morning ever in the history of mankind. And so these women come and, and they find Him not there. And the angel, which are really Jesus speaks and says, he, he's not here, he's, he's risen. This is, this, is, this is the message of Christ, all right? This is Jesus speaking to us today. He is not here. He has risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. This, this angel is, is, is very convincing. Come, come and see. I, I have a message from the Savior for you. Come and, and look at this place. And then He says, and then you go and you tell the disciples, He is risen from the dead. And He's going ahead of you. I, I love this passage. You go and you say, He is risen from the dead. Don't go tell them He rose from His armchair. Don't go tell them that He rose out of bed later that morning. 
Don't tell them that he rose from some adversity or some unique event in his life or, or out of some season of life like a, 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 a butterfly out of a cocoon. This isn't the way Jesus arose. Jesus died. He was crucified and he died and he rose again to be a living Savior, the Son of God. This is different. This isn't the same. This is like no other has ever been. There are certain days in, in history that, that can make a profound uh, difference in our lives. You know, we, we look back on our own timeline, our own history, and, 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 and there are places and points of reference that have such uh, significance to us, all right? And these are, these are the days in history that change lives, you know, that people are, are changed either for good or, or, or for bad. And, and I, I, in my generation, I, I think back over time, and, and one of the major ones for me was the moonwalk, that first moonwalk in July 1969. I was in a hotel room as a little boy on the Swanee River, and, and one of my relatives called in, uh, all of us kids in, and, and said, come in, we're in this cheap, dumpy little motel on, on the side of the river, you know, and, and we're the big box TV sitting there, and we're all sitting on the, on the floor, and, and we're, we're watching the first moonwalk. Some of you will remember where you were on that particular occasion. That shifted American culture. That shifted American mindset and thought dramatically because we had now put a man on the moon. All right? And, and then, of course, for me, the assassination of President Kennedy. That was an amazing day. I remember the, the elementary school I was in. I remember the grade I was in, the teacher I had in that class. And I remember her calling us on the playground and pulling us together as though like a, a mother hen pulling her little children together because she felt such vulnerability. She felt as though that something had happened in our nation and we were no longer as safe as we had been. Something had, had entered the nation of America through this assassination and we would no longer be the same. And I remember her lips quivering and her voice quaking as she said to us, the president has been shot. They pronounced him dead. And we, we didn't know what to do. We, we didn't understand the ramifications of that as children, yet we knew, we sensed in our heart, something was different now. It, it won't be the same. When we go home today, mom and dad are going to talk to us because something is so different now. More recently for all of us, we would say September 11th, the terrorist attacks. That one still brings emotions to my heart. I remember that morning. I remember the phone call I got from someone in the church. And they said, Pastor Bill, a plane just went through the World Trade Center. And I said, you're kidding. It can't be true. And she goes, no, honestly, it's on the news right now. And I rushed to the office and turned on the TV to, to watch this and to see it replayed over and over and over again. And I remember the, the comments and, 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 and the emotions of various people that day. That day changed my life. That day changed your life. We, we can't do things that we used to do. We can't do things the way we did. It suddenly, at, at that moment, that morning when that happened, it was, it was a morning like no other for America. And I believe that this morning, the morning that Jesus rose from the dead, is a morning like no other. I believe there's such significance here. I believe there's such impact here. I believe it changed everything dramatically. It had never anything like this happened before. He is risen from the dead and he goes ahead of you. And then he, he says to the, to the, to the women, uh, go, 
you know, go and, and tell the disciples. He says, you, there you will see him. There you will see him. Just as I have told you, it, it will be. All right? So let's, let's kind of set the stage for this for a few minutes and talk about this. All right? The question of the text that I gave you at the beginning is, woman, why are you crying? Why, why? Some, some Bibles say, woman, why do you weep? This is personal. Christ, Christ's message to this woman. Why, why are you crying? I think it goes much further than personal with just a dialogue with Mary. I think it speaks to us about the reality that that there are tears in this life. There is pain. There is loss. There is suffering. There there, there are things that that go on. But what are we looking for? What, what What is our focus in this life? And, and, and there have been, there, oh man, there have been oceans of tears shed, have they not? Over death and, and over loss and over pain and over suffering. But in your life, in your struggles of your life, have you not always wanted and, 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 and somehow been able to pull up some level of hope, some level of, of this sense that, that it can be better than this? There, there's something that's, that's got to got to show. Something's got to show up. Something's got to happen for me. I, I, I feel that way. I've, I've had low places. I've had difficult times. I've, I've carried things in, in my life over seasons of time. But I, I know this. I know that God is faithful. I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that there are some great promises that I have. But all of that does not inoculate me. It does not protect me from the world. It does not pr- protect me from the intersection of evil and, 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 and circumstances and difficulties and adversities in this world. But I want you to know something. I know about a morning that was like no other. And that morning and the message of that resurrection and that power shifts my ability to move and to navigate through the adversities and the difficulties and the pains of this life. And I want to challenge you and I that we begin to see this way. I believe this is a, is a question for you and I to wrestle with and deal with, but to come to grips with and, and, and to find answers for. Because I believe uh, because of that morning, all the tears, yes, they will one day be wiped away in, in the final days. Let's look at Revelation 21.4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. I love this. I love this promise. I love this declaration from God out of Scripture, all right? Because the old order of things has passed away. I'm telling you, it was on that morning the old order passed away. It it isn't something out there in the future. It isn't something that you have to try to figure out. It isn't something that's complicated or over-sophisticated. It's a reality on that morning like no other. Everything shifted. The order turned. And God, by His divine power and authority, raised His Son up out of physical death and brought life back into Him in order that He might come back again and bring that same life to you and I. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. (laughs) We can have some of that now. All right. 
That, that, that old order is gone away with. The old things have passed away. Will you cry again? Yes. Will there be tears? Will there be adversities? Will there be frustrations and circumstances? Yes. See, we are becoming everything that God would have us to be. We're not there yet, but we are becoming. The Bible says now we see but a poor reflection as if looking in a mirror. But but we will be like him when we see him and behold him face to face. When I am with one of you, My prayer is that you will see Christ in me. My reality is that there are going to be times when you won't. (laughs) My desire is to see Christ in you. To see Christ come alive in, in you. The resurrected Jesus. Presenting Himself through this earthen vessel. As, as cracked as we may be. As much humanity as we're wrapped in, the Christ lives within us. And the Christ comes through us. But no matter what you see, on my finest day, I don't know, what it, I don't know why, but I obviously look very different in a suit and tie than I do in blue jeans and a shirt. Um, I'm not sure what the whole difference is, but I've gotten more compliments this morning because I dressed up for Easter than I have in decades, all right? I had one man tell me I was beautiful. <laughs> and he's full of God. All right? And I'm liking it. I'm feeling pretty good up here, okay? It's not, it's not, I, pink tie. Takes a real man to wear a pink tie. Ooh, yeah. All right? So I, I can put on my best image. I, I, can, I can blow out my best persona. I know a few things to do that, that can make a guy look pretty, pretty okay and, and, and do all right. The presentation can be fine. But unless it is Christ in me that is living, it is nothing. It is vain. It is emptiness. And so Christ wants and desires to come through you and I. But my, my best presentation of Jesus is going to be limited. My best presentation is going to be dimmed in a mirrored reflection of Him to you and you to me. But the reality is, we are different because of that morning. We are not the same. We were old. We were of the old order. We were under the old law. All that old stuff was there. It was ours. We possessed it. We held it. We magnified it with our lives. We exemplified it with our actions. Oh, we were all about it. But then something happened on that day. That Jesus who died on that cross and was buried in the earth came alive again. And forevermore, He lives for you and I. He's risen. That's a morning like no other. And so I want to challenge us that today we, we live out of that place, all right? How, how, how did that resurrection of Christ so change human life? That, that's what I want to try and share with you this morning for just a few minutes. I want to try to help us to see that, all right? Here, here's, here's some things that I think. I think that it was a morning, yes, like no other, but I think it was a morning of a new kind of pain. We sang about the pain being taken away. We sang about joy coming and all that. That's what the Bible promises. Though there is crying, weeping in the night of life, there is joy that comes in the morning. That's why I, I, don't, I don't shy away from tears. 
I'm a guy who can cry. I don't, I don't mind crying. Sometimes I want to cry. Sometimes I just want to get before God and just cry. I want that cleansing. I want that release. But I know that there's a promise in the Bible. There is weeping in the night, whatever that night season might be for you. There is weeping. There's anguish. There's brokenness of heart in that place. But joy comes in the morning. All right? There's a promise. When we are in that place, there is another place that is coming. You don't have to go after it and try to find it so hard. It's going to come to you in God it comes to us pain and suffering have been a constant since the fall of Eden there's there's a divine curse on humankind because of sin the Old Testament ancient history all of these things testify of all of this the the amount and the intensity of suffering in this earth is unbelievable It's, it's crazy If we get to looking at all of that we can get very overwhelmed by all of that but I think for the disciples The death of Christ, it had to carry a most unique anguish, a most deep pain, if you will. He had been their leader. Never had a leader spoken like this man. Never had had life's mysteries been so unraveled and revealed and explained like Jesus had done it. He didn't speak with perhaps, maybe. That wasn't in his voice. He spoke with authority. He spoke with assurance. He spoke out of truth and out of the revelation of the Father. And they had invested themselves in, in him Never had they been so sure of His authenticity and His lineage. They knew He was the Son of God in flesh. He was the maker and the sustainer of life. How could He die? How could He be gone? He was going to turn the world upside down. He was going to to straighten out the Jews. He was going to straighten out the Romans. He was going to straighten out everything. He was going to bring peace. He was going to establish His kingdom and His order. What? Pain they must have felt in those hours leading up to burial. They're huddled together. This wasn't an event where they watched him die and went, yes, it's finished. Now the kingdom will come. This is just as he said. They huddled in fear. They did not understand. They did not know what was about to happen. Their, their vision their dream, their hope, their life, their commitment had been shattered in the death of the Savior. This, this, this gripping anguish that they are feeling, all right? It was, it was intense it, and it was, it was huge. He had been their friend. He was, yes, he was their leader, but, but wonder of wonders, the great God-man here, he, he took a personal interest in each and every one of them. He cared for them in a special way. Think of the hours that were spent in, in discussion and, and repose with, with Savior Jesus, Son of God. He allowed them some kind of special access to Him, the access of a friend. I look across this room and I am assured of two things. One is God is faithful and you can know Him. And the other is that in this life you will have troubles. 
and such will come upon you. We represent faith. We represent hope. We represent love. We represent goodness. We represent so many things that are of the kingdom. But sitting here today, we also represent pain. We represent anguish. And we represent broken relationships and hurtful situations. It's nothing like losing someone you love, whether in death, literally, or in death as in separation. Those of you who have been through divorces, you understand this deeply. Those of you who had a friend who, who was, well, for lack of a better description, to address both genders, a Jonathan David kind of relationship, you know, that, 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 that thing that's so close, so intimate, so intense, only to have it disintegrate and to feel the loss of that. And when you say loss, loss isn't enough. Loss doesn't do justice. Loss doesn't take care of what one feels when, they are, when, when that ripping and that tearing comes about. David understood it. There was a time when you were my enemy. We walked together into the temple to celebrate and worship our God together. Now we're enemies. Didn't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand the pain of this world. I don't understand the suffering of this world. I don't understand the difficulties that we go through. But I understand this. There was a morning like no other. And in that morning, there was an authority that spoke into the earth. And that authority, when it spoke, raised Jesus from the dead. And that Jesus is your healer. That Jesus is your redeemer. That Jesus is your lover. That Jesus is your savior. That Jesus is the foundation of all that you are and ever will be today because of a day, a morning, like no other. He had been such a great friend to them. Look at John 15, verse 13 through 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father. I have made known to you. Man, this speaks of such closeness. This speaks of such intimacy. This speaks of such care, such goodness. You see, God, God didn't just want servants. He wanted sons and daughters. And so He sent His Son to die on the cross. And that death on the cross led to a burial in the earth. And that burial led to a resurrection that cannot be denied, I don't believe. And I want to stand here today and say to you, there is nothing in your life that has to overtake you and destroy you. There is nothing in your life that is detrimental or evil or destructive in any pattern or pathway that has to stay there. Because He is alive. He is risen from the dead. We're going to give you a chance in a few minutes to take whatever that is. Whatever that is that is pain within your life. 
Whatever that is that, that is destructive within your life, and you write it on a piece of paper and nail it to that cross right over there. Not because there's something magical in what you do, but because there was a morning like no other. There's an opportunity for you to come and lay things down today. I believe you can encounter the living Jesus today. I, and I mean that with everything in me. The living Jesus is yours today. You know, we can sympathize with the loss of the disciples. We can sympathize with other people who have lost loved ones over time. Family members, friends. You know, it, 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 it happens. It touches all of us. Pastor Dave and I sat with, with Dana and Julie Iverson yesterday. Her mother just died two days ago of cancer on the eve of, of Easter. We sat with them to plan the funeral for her mother, the celebration of her mother's life. And there was laughter and there was weeping and there was anguish. And we walked away from there with this profound sense that we are helpless in this matter of death in the sense of at least understanding it. But we are not helpless in the hope that we have beyond it. And I want to challenge you and I that that is the place that we are living because Christ was the first death that resulted in life and in hope. All right? This death was a death followed by a resurrection, a one-of-a-kind event. There's never been that in history before then. A day like no other. And it was a, a prototype, if you will, of all subsequent death. And the words that we need to express that we can't find. We, we, can't, we can't understand and, and articulate. There, there's an old writer that wrote these words, and, and, and I, I, I love him. He says, Jesus opened up the way to heaven's gate when he died on the cross to redeem all the lost. He prepared the road that leads to God's abode. Tis a road marked by blood, but it leads us home in life. There's never been a morning like this. One that could shift hopelessness into hope. One that could shift pain into joy. One that, that could shift depression into, into to hope and, and faith and belief. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of morning that these women came to, if you will. There's never been a morning like this. It was also the morning of a new kind of power. Not, not just pain, but, but power. He's risen. The Jews had seen with their own eyes when Jesus raised Lazarus and others from the dead. He possessed a power, if you will, that had not been seen since some of the prophets of the Old Testament. But Jesus was far greater than any of these prophets, for none of them had the power to raise themselves from the dead. But Jesus comes alive. He's got power over the devil. Alright? Can I, can I just say that again to you? He's got power over the devil. Okay? Don't, don't spiritualize the devil so much. Okay? Don't, don't, don't try to, to etherealize this whole thing of, of, of Satan and, and, and God and all that. It's a, we live in a real world filled with real fallen nature and, and, and there is sin that is abounding and, and the earth is full of all kinds of natural disasters and man-made disasters, man-created and designed disasters. There's all kinds of things that are going around, on around us and the explanation of that, that it is fallen and that Satan has a level of authority in this earth and can, can re 
wreak havoc among men and women. But Jesus rose from the dead. He possesses a power that is beyond that of the enemy of your soul. He has a power over the devil. I know there are people who don't believe in a literal existence of Satan. I, I, I know that. They, they only believe in, in, in like a spirit of evil. Uh, and, and they don't even see that as supernatural at all. It's just stuff that happens and, and that stuff needs a label. And so they call it evil. But I believe there's a real and personal devil. And he's done all in his power to destroy you and I. He tried to kill Jesus. All along that, that Via Dolorosa, there were people who were, were trying to pick up stones and, 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 and stone him. One of the disciples tries to, 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 to destroy him through buying or selling him off to, to the government. Satan had entered the world. He had a mission to destroy this very sacrifice of Christ. <laughs> Instead, he just, he just got it done faster. That's all he did. Just got it done faster. I don't think even Satan understood this morning. I think he was caught off guard a little bit too. Christ defeated the intentions of the evil one. Not only in his sacrificial death, which we so focus ourselves on, but even more so in the fact that he was resurrected from the dead. That's where the power is. I want to take you to the cross, but I don't want you to stay there very long. The cross and the grave are for your sin. The resurrection is for your life. That's where we, I, I, I want to take you somewhere else. I want to displace you from that place you've lived for so long. I want, I want to displace you from that, that, that reference point or that mindset that even we as pastors have put you into through uh, scores of years of preaching about the death of Jesus and, and the shedding of the blood. I in no way diminish the shedding of the blood. By the shedding of blood, we have the remission of sin. I don't discount any aspect of the life of Jesus. But I'm telling you, we don't get there till we get to the resurrection. We don't, we don't arrive, if you will, until we are in the place of the resurrection. It is the resurrection power of Christ that makes the difference for you to live victoriously today. And you can knock it all off and shake it all off and kick it away from you today because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's your victory point. And so that's where we camp. Hebrews 2.14 for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and the blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had power over death. That is, 
the devil. Do you understand? That he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. I I hate this stuff when I see people giving room for the enemy and, and opening themselves to the possibility that the enemy might have some power here. We, we've got to get to this place, people. There was, a, there was a morning that happened like no other. And in that morning, the authority of God was reestablished in the earth. He went down into hell. He, he descended that he might then ascend. But he took back the keys to death and, and, and hell and, and destruction and all that stuff. And he brought himself up out of that grave by the power of the Father. You don't just need a salvation. <laughs> you need a revelation and a resurrection in your life. We need to be living out of that victory. This is an amazing shift in the course of history. It's an amazing shift for you and I. The revelation of this resurrection can literally turn us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Through resurrection you have victory over anything that you are faced with. Yeah, we've got to learn how to walk it out. Yeah, we've got we to disciple and, and we've we got we to work with, our, with, with the issues of life and all that. I'm not talking about magic formulas here. I'm not, I'm not talking about sprinkling something. I'm not talking about snapping your fingers. I'm not talking about uh, uh, saying some kind of magic incantation. I'm talking about a reality that on that morning, like no other, God's Son rose from the dead and there established the power of the resurrection for you and I. And that is ours to take hold of and to live out in this life. So it's different. It's changed. It'll never be the same again. Power over death. This weekend I was thinking about that that death, that idea of death. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. All made alive. I I want to tell you something. Don't live in death. Don't walk, don't, don't walk around in grave clothes. Don't live in those things that want to destroy you. Don't stay in those places. John, if you'd stayed on meth, you'd be dead today. Your wife would sit here a widow, and we would help her comfort her grieving heart. Your son would be fatherless. We can't stay in those places where the grave clothes bring us down and identify us. What is it in your life 
that keeps you bound? What is it in your life that keeps you paralyzed? What is it in your life that weights you down, that holds you back? What is that, what is that one thing that is core to you that you just haven't been able to rise above in your life? I'm telling you, there has been a morning like no other and that morning releases you to be able to let those things go by the power of Jesus Christ. You'll be able to walk this thing out and live in victory. That's the promise and that's the, the last thing I want to bring to you this morning is that it was a morning of a new kind of promise. You shall see Him. Oh, you shall see Him. Before this Easter morning that we are talking about, no one expected to see their dead loved ones again. Not alive and walking on the earth. There was no hope for those who stood among the tombs and mourned the dead loved ones. While the, the death of Christ, as we understand it here, paid the sin debt for every person who, who had ever lived or would live, the resurrection legitimized Christianity as, as, a, as a faith, as a religion. It placed it at the top of the world's religions. Just, Christianity just went, boom! It's at the top. It's the, it's, the, it's the thing. It's the real deal. Because no other religious leader or so-called God had ever been able to raise himself from the dead. That's my Jesus. That's the one I'm going to. I'm going to get real narrow here for just a minute. But I'm going to tell you something. If I'm bound in this life, don't give me Buddha. He's dead. If I'm confused and don't have the answers, don't give me Confucius. He's still dead. If I'm, I'm stuck on the mysteries of life and, and I don't have direction and I don't know what to do and I'm, I'm bound up by, by myself, I, I, I don't need Allah. Don't give me Allah because His bones are still in the grave today. Jesus is alive. He is risen just as He said He would. It was a morning like no other. And so that's what we hold on to. That's what we grab a hold of this morning, all right? What does that mean for us? It means the promise of a victorious life. Wouldn't it be great just to know that, oh, I'm going to be successful, I'm going to be fulfilled in my life? Wouldn't it be great just to, to, to always be confident, always be on top of your game, always be right there? We're not. We're not when we live in this fallen world. Wherever we go and whatever we do, we need to understand something. That as believers, as followers in the faith of Jesus Christ, He goes before us. He's not here. He's risen. He's gone before you. Now you go. And you tell the disciples. You tell, you tell them what you found here. Nothing. <laughs> you came looking for a dead man. You got something totally different. You came riding this morning off as a horrible morning. Oh my goodness. What, what will we find? Can we even find anything? Maybe the whole cave, the whole tomb area is just decimated because of this earthquake. Can we even get there? What are we going to find? Is his body going to be all fragmented and, and laying everywhere? What will we get today? I thought, I thought, 
Three days ago was bad. I didn't think it could get any worse. But it has. I still have my pain. I still feel this loss. I still can't explain. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the future holds. I can't believe this has happened. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I was there all the way. I gave everything. I invested my full heart. I did it all. And now I have nothing. What is going to happen to me? He's not here. He's risen. From the dead. And he's already ahead of you. Now you go. Don't live at the foot of the grave. Don't even live at the foot of the cross. Live in the power of the resurrection. Go all the way. Don't stop short of anything here. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. A wonderful promise that we have. It says, thanks be to God. Why? Because He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you one last thing real quick here, and then we're going to go to the cross. There was the promise of a coming King. A return. He will come again. You know, some have said they've seen Christ, you know, like, like literally. And I, I think most of them are speaking figuratively, but some say they have literally seen Christ. I'm, I'm confident that people have seen angels, that they've seen epiphanies. Maybe some have seen Christ. I've not ever seen Christ myself with my visible eyes in this life. All right, I've seen Christ in the sense of a, I understand him at work. I see him at work in people's lives. He's revealed himself to me. I know he is real. I know he is alive. I believe the scriptures. All right. He touches my heart. He shifts me and changes me and, and makes me into the, to his image and all of that. I understand his movings about and workings and dealings with people. All right. But the Bible says that Jesus will come again. That's what we've been teaching to you and that's what we are culminating with here today. We started with the fact that Jesus was born into this earth as a child, a, a babe man, if you will, a savior, all right? And he grew up and he, he taught and he discipled men and pulled together this motley crew of disciples and sent them out with, with others of, of the 70 and they all went out and they turned the world upside down and there was an apostolic order of a church and, 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 and as people gathered, the Holy Spirit was displayed First, on the day of Pentecost. That's where we're going from here. The next, the next big deal is, is Pentecost for us, okay? We, we understand all of that. And all of that is awesome. But I want to tell you something. We don't, we don't stop even with the resurrection. We have the resurrection for power, all right? For power. And, the, and, and at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. We are filled with the Spirit of God today. And I want to challenge you and I that we begin to live out of this power and out of this authority and live this victory out. I want you to walk away from here today going, man, that morning really was like no other. That's something for me in this place. That tragedy on September 11th changed me. It changed the face of society. And I believe that there's the possibility that in the future there are going to be more of those kinds of days, more life-altering kinds of days. But I'm going to tell you this, nothing can happen in your future that could darken that morning. Nothing has to take that away from you. Nothing has to rob you of that morning that is like no other. 
and, 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 and all that we are, all that we will ever be, it was made possible on that day. That is the, that is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it fulfills, it, it brings about and fulfills destiny for every one of us. And so I want to challenge you today. As we're closing out this morning, I want to say to you, there's never been another morning like that. That's a morning like no other. And I want to challenge you today that you get yourself ready right now to encounter that Jesus of the resurrection. I love the Jesus of the cradle. I love the Jesus of the temple. I love the Jesus along the side of the sea. I love the Jesus that breaks the bread and feeds the multitudes. I love the Jesus that has grace for Peter and compassion for Matthew. I love the Jesus that loves the prostitute. I love the Jesus that takes authority over the demoniac. I love the Jesus that raises his friend and grieves with his sisters. I love the Jesus that suffers in the garden and cries blood. I love the Jesus that hangs on the cross and begs the Father to forgive them. But above all of that, I love the Jesus that comes out of the grave. Oh, all that is amazing. Epic story. Unbelievable, undeniably epic story. But that coming out of the grave is the deal. It's the thing. It's what makes the difference. That's what makes the shift. Someone will die on a cross in this season today. Someone will do that. Somewhere in the earth realm, someone will, will, so there will be pagan rituals and people will be sacrificed. People will give up everything. People will do all sorts of stuff. But the reality is that only Jesus has raised from the dead. And that's what makes the change. That's what makes the shift. Would you just bow your heads for a few minutes in a, a moment of prayer? You're going to have a piece of paper there and a pencil. No one will be able to see what you write on that piece of paper, but you, you don't have to write it fancy. It's only for Jesus. What's kept you? What's kept you from knowing God? Let me talk to you in the church for just a minute. There's two groups of people in the church. Those who are standing firm in their word, their salvation. And then there are those who Paul warns us about. He says, they might have believed in vain. If I was politically correct as a preacher today, I would have began my message by being inclusive perhaps speaking about the brotherhood of man. Trouble is, Paul doesn't do that. Instead, he makes a huge distinction between people. And he claims that only some of them will be his brothers. As a messenger of the gospel today, I have to be true to God's word. 
Paul is clear here in the scriptures that there are certain things that are true of those who can truly be called brothers and sisters. You may have come here and felt something of like a, I don't know, a family feel in this place. Many have said that. And after it's all done, you may have felt that you were just so welcomed here. I suspect that some of you right now, what, what you're thinking is, is that, what is it about those people? What have they got that I don't? Yes, you're right, we have something here. It's called Christ. Recent survey says most adults think that they are Christians. The Apostle Paul would have one thing to ask of us this morning. Are you holding fast to the word preached to you? And for many, sadly, they have not really had the Bible explained or preached to them. Perhaps you're one of those people. Perhaps you, you go to church for the christening, for the wedding, for the funeral, for the holiday, you know, Easter, Christmas. I want to draw a clear line this morning. Not so much between the Christian and the non-Christian, but rather between the Christian who is standing firm in his faith, who is walking with God, who is confident of his salvation, who knows that God is pleased with him, he's on his way to heaven, all that. And on the other hand, everyone else. Paul says, unless you have believed in vain. James says, even the devils believe. Would you build your faith this morning on the truth of God's word? Would you this morning disclaim everything that has hindered you and kept you from God? If you are not a believer this morning you have the most wonderful and amazing opportunity right now. Just write my sin on that piece of paper and we're going to nail it to that cross today. And you will be forgiven. Anyone who by faith confesses his sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive him of his sin. If you're not a believer today and you just, you just popped in this church because it's Easter and that's the thing to do, today you can know this Jesus personally and he can forgive you of your sin and set you free. If you are one of those Christians, gosh, who has just lived, maybe even lived a lie, and you've stayed in sin, and you've struggled through bondage, and you've lived in and out of hopelessness, Would you today confess whatever it is that has held you back from a dynamic and vibrant victory? Would you write that on that piece of paper right now? Here's what we're going to do. There's nails over here on the table and there's hammers. Over the next few minutes... When you've had revelation of that place that you want desperately to be free of. It may be an emotion. It may be a habitual sin. It may be a mindset or a thought process. 
It may be something that you need to get even more definitive about. But right now, let's get it on the paper. Though our sins may be as scarlet, in this case black, they will be white as snow. And would you, when you feel prompted, just just rise from your seat and go and take a nail. Just tack it. You don't have to hammer it way in, okay? Just, just, just tap it. Leave it at that cross. And then here's what I want you to do. Pastor Dave and I are going to be here at this table. This is the most wonderful table in the entire world. It's been created for you. Because this is the table of the resurrected Lord. Leave that old stuff, that old order at the cross. Just walk over here and receive power from Christ. Receive your communion. Just take, take the, the, the symbols of, of the body, the blood of Jesus. Partake. And then find your way back to your seat and then let us pray for you. Let's all do this together, okay? I don't mean everybody run up here at once, necessarily. You know, if you're ready, you're ready, okay? But in the still of this moment, would you just let God speak to you? And when it's right, you come. We'll help you, Pastor Dave and I. And then we'll meet you at the table. We just want to bless you as you receive communion for yourself. Let me pray for you right now. God, you are here. Holy Spirit, minister such grace, such love, such healing, such deliverance today that we are overwhelmed, overtaken by the power and the presence. Let that morning, a morning like no other, intersect our lives today And let us shake off everything, everything that hinders us today. And let us live as a resurrected church for the glory of God. We release it to you and we receive you, Jesus, in a new and powerful way today by faith.